All right, welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, Alex Friedman, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado. Today, we're going to be bringing it a little bit psychological on y'all, and we're going to be talking about why confidence is important as a combat athlete, but not just combat athlete, but as a human in general. So being okay, being confident, because a lot of people have mistaken confidence for cockiness. And while you don't want to be super cocky, you also got to know how good you are at what you do and be okay saying it, especially in a sport that you have to market yourself. So Alex, start it up. Yeah, man. I think with MMA and fighting in general, I think the the mismatch happens when you know large personalities and confidence and cockiness all come together because it is such a heavily promotion-based and um, personality-driven market. Right. Like UFC fighters make a lot more money if they have a boisterous personality and they can, you know, grab headlines and they can do this crazy thing and that crazy thing. And I'm the best in the world. And like, and I think that's where a lot of the like attention around ego and around confidence and cockiness comes with, especially within the UFC or within MMA promotions, um, because you're literally creating a brand and the more either controversy or like spectacles you can create within yourself, the more money you get paid. Like, I think, I mean, there's very few examples of, you know, humble, really quiet guys that get the payouts, right? Like Dustin Poirier is a great example of that recently. Like he's pretty soft-spoken. I mean, he's confident, but he's not, he's not making crazy statements and getting all hype trained at this and that but he's just like good and he's been consistently good. And that, I mean, and again, he took a while for him to get paid. Like I think that, so that's definitely a factor. Bringing that and another person on the, like the exact same thing. Very, very nice guy is Demetrius Johnson, Demetrius Johnson. And yes, he's a smaller weight class. That's going to get less viewers in the first place. Just, for whatever reason, but he's one of the nicest dudes out there. He never said a mean word about anybody, but guess what? He got no viewership at all. There's a reason why the UFC did their trade with Ben Askren over to one championship because he didn't resonate with the fans. He wasn't, he wasn't comfortable being that confident dude saying he's, he might be the goat. He could potentially be the greatest MMA fighter ever. And he wasn't that guy that would go out there and say those things. And not that you have to say it all the time, but you got to be comfortable being able to say, "Hey, I'm really, really good at this thing." Right, and and I think there's a reason that like Demetrius Johnson is a less known guy. Like, like you always hear, you know, John Jones. You always hear Anderson Silva. You even hear Conor McGregor. Like, I don't know that Conor McGregor is like goat status as far as skills or um, like accomplishments. Like, yes, he's been there and he's done that, but he's talked such a big game that he almost talked himself into that conversation. Yeah. Right. And, you, and like, and then the other name, like that just didn't pop in my mind was like Khabib. He's quiet. Mm-hmm. He's soft-spoken and he like wrecks people and takes care of business like the goat and like, but he's got way less publicity, but it's a quiet and calm confidence, which I think that's a big um, stepping away from like the pro scene. I think that's a big differentiation to make is the, the loud boisterous confidence that is put out there versus the quiet, calm, confident, like the belief in yourself. Like, I think those are two different animals to see or animals to attack, especially with confidence in MMA. Right. Like false confidence is never good. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to get, I want to get that out of the way completely. Like there's, there's the difference. Like what Alex is saying is Khabib doesn't need to be boisterous, but he knows that he's a bad motherfucker. And he knows that he's going to just demolish you when you step into the cage. And if you see him in the cage, he's a different person than he is out of the cage. And that's, what's kind of cool about Khabib and bringing him into the mix because he's actually talking at people in the cage. Like he's talking shit while he is just scorpion your legging and just beat the shit out of you. But outside of the cage doesn't say a mean word, but it's one of those things like you can tell by the way he carries himself, by the way that he talks, that he truly believes that he's really good at what he does. And that's one of those things that people gravitate towards. People want to watch and helps propel your career in anything, not just, not just fighting, but any, any career you do, people want to be associated with somebody that are comfortable and confident in what they bring to the table. And that's what Khabib does really, really well. And that's what a lot of these different guys do really well. They're just confident with how good they are. They're not trying to be cocky. They just, they're not afraid to tell you that they're good at what they do. Right. And and I think, I mean, confidence in itself is a performance enhancer in, in anything that you do. Like if you're confident in yourself and you truly believe like, then you're more likely going to find a, a good outcome. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's a different like type of confidence is like a performance enhancing confidence. Like if you're timid or you're chronically, you know, diffident or you're not confident in yourself, you're bringing yourself down. Then I think that's going to have a whole nother uh, effect on your psyche and your, your performance. And again, we're not sports psychologists, but like the confidence issue is a huge um, area of study and is a huge performance enhancing quality that can either be, you know, has entails great for people or it can and take away. Um, so I think it's, it's a balancing act because you might hide behind your overconfidence, but you might Mm -hmm. also suffer from your underconfidence. Like I think, uh, me and Austin have both been on both ends of that spectrum where, you know, I, I probably tend towards the latter side where I'm, you know, I always, you know, beat myself down or I'm underconfident. And then my performance suffers from it where I think Austin knows the other side really well, where he's overconfident. <laughs> and then, and then sometimes that comes back to bite. I have been there a time or two. Well, no, never. a time or two. <laughs> um, but no, like, I, I'm not going to say it's wrong. Like I've been overconfident to the point it's bit me in the ass. And it was, it was a false confidence because it was one of those things that I was trying to will myself into being ready for a certain match. And I'm like, oh, fucking walking out there. Like I'm the shit. And in my, but in my head, just because I'm doing all these different things, I'm going through the motions of my confidence walk, my, all these different things, my setups, it doesn't mean in my head that I'm confident with what's going on. And you can tell the difference between somebody that's truly prepared, confident, ready to go. And they know that they're fucking good at what they do versus somebody that is putting on a bravado or putting on a show. And those are the two things that I want to, I want to make this a little bit applicable is training, being able to train and being able to put in the work. That's what makes a lot of people confident, right? It's like, we bring it like when I bring it to Cairo, cause that's, that's what I do. Like the best adjusters in the world are the people that train the most. There's a reason why I still do like I'm a year and a half into practice. I'm still doing speed drills every day to make my adjusting faster, make my depth better and to be sharper and on point. And it's not, it's not a mystery that some of the best adjusters like Corey Campbell, one of my mentors, he's still, he's 40 years into practice and he's still does these stupid fucking speed drills. <laughs> and, and he's, he's one of the best adjusters I've ever been around ever. And it's just a motor skill. And with that training and with that patterning, it makes you confident, makes you better. And you can walk into the room and be like, it doesn't matter what's in front of me. 
I know I'm good at what I do. And the same thing applies with wrestling, right? The same thing applies with fighting. The same thing applies with strength conditioning. If you put in the work, if you do these different things, you can walk into any certain scenario and feel comfortable and feel calm. Right. And I think, I mean, you use the key word that, that has always kind of struck me is the, the prepared, right? Are you prepared? Have you genuinely put in the work? And I think that's into my setting. That's like one of the best things that strength and conditioning can do for an athlete period. I mean, yes, there's going to be performance enhancement. Yes, there's going to be injury prevention, but like if as a strength and conditioning program, you can, you can help an athlete gain the confidence can help them put, you know, fire um, in their coals and, and help them understand they have put in the work that you are what you think you are. You don't need to undermine yourself or you don't need to, you know, tear yourself down or, or it's a, it's a self fulfilling prophecy, right? If in strength and conditioning, if we can give an athlete, a young athlete, a, a struggling athlete, the confidence to carry on and to take that onto the mat, then I think that's one of the biggest performance benefits that we can see uh, out of some people. Well, how do you approach that when you have a younger athlete? We'll say a 17 year old high schooler coming to you. How do you try to approach to build that confidence? Cause I know it's a huge thing for high schoolers going into college if they are going to yeah. be an athlete. Well, I mean, I think first off it's giving them a tool set and a context to be successful in. Um, it's not all the time in the weight room that we need to crush the athletes and, and, and train till failure and everything. It's like, if I give them the skill set, like I teach them how to clean well, and then it might take two or three months, but once they clean, they have that skill set or they have that, they, they've overcome that, the obstacle, they've learned the new thing. And then maybe they're, they're cleaning more and, and seeing the result from the process. I think there's no more empowering thing. You know, you, you learn it cognitively, you, matured into it or, or gained strength physically you've um gained confidence because you know you could you you surmounted this hill or you passed this plateau um and so giving them tools and, and opportunities to learn and giving them different skill sets i think also building a training atmosphere where you have welcoming and leaders um in the room that make them feel confident that they understand what they're going through and either give them guidance or allow them to feel successful. Or even if they're not experienced, I think the environment should lead itself to that leaning and mastery or oriented approach. But it's, it's seeing the results from the work put in um, because a lot of the times when we go into new skills, we're timid and I, it's not, I don't think we're timid because of what we're physically doing or because what the task is, it, we're, we're timid because it's something new. It's like, I'm going to suck at this, or I've never done this before. Or, and I think the more we can get around that and not in a confidence sense necessarily that like, Oh, I'm going to be great at this thing, even though I've never done before, but in a, in a, a failure acceptance um, way where it's like, okay, I'm probably going to suck at this thing, but I'm going to keep trying it and then get better and then eventually be the best in the world at it. Like the more that we can accept the failure and, and ironically accept the, um, the like low levels of our confidence, I think strong confidence builds itself up on that. Right. And one of the things I, you hit the nail on the head, I see time and time again with people that are on the latter half of the confidence spectrum that we were talking about where they're slightly underconfident themselves is they have this thing called paralysis by analysis where they don't inherently trust their skill set. So they have all these different options. They don't know which one to pick because they're not confident in their choice. Right. And that's, I see it a lot with my athletes. Um, not the ones now for the most part, but I've seen in the past with the athletes I've worked with um, that they have this paralysis by analysis. And a lot of the times it's, 
like either you're new to a new skill set, so you're wrestling, trying to learn how to strike or vice versa. Or in, in my case, a lot of the times it's coming into the weight room for the first time ever and they don't really know what's going on. They have like 97 questions, but then they don't want to ever do anything. They only do one yeah. thing because I'm stuck answering questions the whole time. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that I've found personally to help people with paralysis by analysis is always use as much positive feedback as possible because something that happens with positive feedback, it's going to light up in their brain every single time you give that, Hey, this is a great thing to do. This is a great thing to do. This is a great thing to do. And if you know, that's going to be the thing that's going to help that person or if they're doing it well, that's going to reaffirm that pattern in their brain, which is going to make that pathway quicker and quicker and quicker every time. So it's not a, it's, it's not, it's almost like a conditioning thing, if you will. It's like brain conditioning where the way to get around their lack of confidence and their paralysis by analysis is to just tell them every time that they do something well, every time they do the thing that you're trying to do well, tell them good fucking job because combat athletes don't hear that enough. And that's a separate topic, but right. combat sports is, is so negative feedback based and so grinder mentality that not a lot, not enough people in the sport hear good job or fucking crush that. So if we can lift that by 10, 15, 20%, it's only going to make more confident athletes and more confident people. Cause at the end of the day, they're always people. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's a hugely overlooked factor is the, the human side of it. Like I was having this conversation today. Like I think positive feedback, just your site, like you're saying, I mean, there's been research done that it's more effective and everything, but I don't think you're going to have success in a positive feedback exclusive Um, setting, which I know is not what you're promoting, but um, there's a healthy mix of both. And if we can skew it more towards the the healthy mix by giving more positive feedback, then that's going to clean up some people's confidence and clean up um, one huge thing that I see from the negative feedback is this fear of failure, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to mess up because I'm going to be punished or then I'm going to look stupid or then blah, blah, blah. Or like, then I'm not going to be strong and I'm going to be exposed. And like, uh, again, that's kind of a fragility thing. Like, I think the more we accept um, the failure and, and, and understand, and the more cycles we can get through that failure process from failure to success, from failure to performing a deadlift correctly, from failure at breathing to success at breathing, or to from uh, poor technique to good technique, like the more times we can run through that failure feedback loop with positive feedback, with learning and acquiring a new skill, the more confident the the athlete is going to be, the more confident the person is going to be because I've seen this before because I know I can fail, but I know I can also get better on the other end. Like the more we, we avoid failure, the more we hold ourselves back. The more we avoid failure, the more we get stuck in our own lane and the more we, we keep, you know, running ourselves into the same type of problems and we don't progress and we don't grow. I think that's the, the, that's the essence of a growth mindset. Well, those are the athletes that are afraid to learn new skills. Those are the people that don't want to try wrestling. That's, that's Kevin Holland. That is, we just saw it this weekend. That's Kevin Holland where he, he says wrestling is bad. He he doesn't what he doesn't want. He's afraid to be bad at wrestling because he's so fucking good at everything else in MMA. Mm -hmm. He's afraid to be bad. So his fear of the sport is actually holding his fear of that aspect of the sport is actually holding him back in a way that if you just give him the positive feedback and not, not just positive feedback, like Alex said, but focus on, Hey, like this is a very low pressure environment. This is what a double leg is. This is takedown defense. These are all these different things and just highlight, I highlight what he does well instead of what you do well. 
which is another thing that I see with a bunch of coaches where you try to coach them like how you do it. And you need to highlight your athlete's strengths because in order for them to be confident, they need to feel confident with the movement. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, like you try to make somebody a double legger and they're not a double legger. They're a single legger. hundred percent. I think that that's another conflict that the coaches get into is, um, trying to teach the the technique like yourself or even subconsciously. I think a lot of coaches make comparisons. Like it's not mm-hmm. as, as blatant as like, look at how good I am at this double leg and you don't even know how to shoot double leg. But it's like, so like, it's as simple as like, well, look at how I do it. Like that's just highlighting the fact that, that you're advanced and they're not right. It's, it's gotta be a, a mastery oriented approach and more of a, a learner first approach. So it's like, you know, you can finish it that way, but why don't you try this one and see if that works out better or, um, or try and just accept this new skill. And like, it works for me, but it may or may not work for you. We just need to, you need to try it. You need to create your own style, put your emphasis on it. So I think that's a little better, um, type of atmosphere or thought behind teaching somebody something new and, and creating that mastery oriented culture rather than a win at all costs culture. For sure. And so moving into actionable steps. So we already talked about preparing, but how, how do we prepare? How do we try to build that confidence? I think one of the best things you can do is write out a game plan, like write out your schedule, write out your schedule, schedule in your training sessions, and then actually re- like something that one of my fighters, Henry Corrales says really well is he reflects on everything that he does. He journals every day. And I'm, I'm not a huge journaler myself. I'm not a good writer. I don't like writing, but I do have self check-in time where I, I check in with myself every day and talk like talk talk to myself as fucking weird as that sounds it is, yeah, it is not it is not everybody talks as, as it was coming out i'm like oh i sound like a fucking crazy person <laughs> i think you're <laughs> but, more crazy if you don't talk to yourself yeah for sure i agree but like you sh- having that self check-in time whether it's journaling or talking to yourself whatever it may be and saying how did i do in this activity because that's the only way that you're going to figure out what works for you like we're talking about an individualized approach is there's only one person with an individual. It's you. So you got to figure out how you feel about that certain thing. And once you know how you feel about that certain thing, then you can start to grow. You can start to grow that confidence. You can build upon that. But if you don't have a base, if you don't know what your feelings are towards something, you're never going to be able to progress upwards and build forward. You know, and I think there's a, there's an honesty requirement in that, that self-talker in that game plan too. Like we need to, you know, critically assessed and be honest with yourself. you like, you know, this is a skill that I'm not good at, or this is a skill I really need to develop, or this is a skill that I'm really good at, you know? And like, mm-hmm. maybe I don't need to work there. Like if we're at, we have a boxer in tow and like, they haven't gone through this check. They're going to be like, okay, let's just do boxing practice. That always makes me feel good. It's like, because you're already good at that. You know, like, yep. let's maybe like write out a plan and really critically analyze like you're good at boxing. Maybe we don't need to practice hitting mitts as often. Maybe we should spend, invest a little more time in wrestling if you're in your off camp or something like that. So having that honesty filter. Um, and I think that that's hugely cultivated by self-awareness. Um, and I think, again, that comes through relationships that comes from personal introspection and growth, like having the self-awareness to be honest with yourself is a huge thing. And I found that a lot through like journaling, like Austin says, um, a big thing for me that not only, you know, keeps me humble or keeps me grateful, but it's like, um, a, a practice in like reality check is like every day, three things you're, gl- you're grateful for. And that's what I write in my journal. It's like, 
helps me to understand where I'm at, what I have and, and how fortunate I really am. But it also gives me the confidence to say like, I can move forward at this thing because look at what's already at my back. Um, mm-hmm. So understanding that process, having a game plan and then understanding what is behind you can help move you forward. You know, if you're a, a professional MMA fighter, if you're a professional coach, if you're a, you know, recreational jujitsu person, you have stripes or you, you're a white belt, like there's something that you have accomplished period that has got you to that point in your mm-hmm. career. Right. So reflect on those things. Like you've been successful, like whether it's, maybe it's just stepping the door was your first success. Like that yeah. you're there, you're, you're ahead was, of other people. That was Khalil Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree, exactly. he was he was 300 pounds, and his only goal was just to drop weight. And that's what stepped in, and now he's in the UFC. <laughs> yeah, and dude, like I've talked to countless people, like the hardest decision that they have to make in the day, whether it's weightlifting, I've talked about it, or whether it's running or at wrestling practice, like the hardest thing to do is put on my shoes, right? If mm-hmm. I put on my wrestling shoes, I'm gonna do it, you know, or or I could just not put them on. You know, like that's the, that's the debate that goes on in the head. Like that they can build the confidence, you know, I put the shoes on. All right. I can do this thing. Or, or even you look back more essentially, it's like, I got through my white belt. I've already accomplished that promotion. There seems to be a lot of promotions going around or I've won this fight before, or my record's above 500. I I've shown success. Like just reflecting back on those, those, those wins already in your column can help push you forward and help you understand the work that you've already put in, but also the the success that you've already had. For sure. And then another thing we can do as just on the, the sports coaching side of things is watch your own film, please. For the love of God, watch your own fucking film, <laughs> because that's the only way that you can truly like, you could think about that stuff in the moment. You can do these different things, but if you don't see it with your eyes, if you are not able to pick up on what you're doing, right, what you're doing wrong, doing these different things, you're not going to be able to build the confidence moving forward that, Hey, this was good. Or, Hey, I should have slipped this punch one way or the other. Yeah. I think part of watching film, like, uh, like Austin already highlighted is like, bring out the positives too. Like how much do we watch film and critique ourselves or, or mm-hmm. see everything that we've done bad? But like, like that was one of specifically my, like I very seldom watched videos of myself wrestling, but I remember always in our high school football room, like we gave out helmet stickers and we got praise just as often as we got pointed out what we did wrong in the play. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, as much as you're like looking at, like I should have slipped the punch there. I should have seen the takedown coming, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I, smacked it pretty good on that one. Or like I, I correctly stopped that takedown. I stuffed it. Like there should be a sense of pride in, in watching yourself fight too. Like don't have the, the exclusively um, critical lens or the exclusive negative feedback lens. Oh, for sure. And then one, one more thing that I see a lot and on the healthcare side of things is people don't have, so you get injured, right? Tore your rotator cuff, whatever it may be. You're afraid to then do that movement over and over again. You don't have confidence in your rotation in your shoulder. You start to feel pain and you're afraid to throw a punch. This has happened to countless fighters where you don't feel like you're comfortable. You you put the governor on and you're not able to actually throw that right as hard as you want. And everybody can tell. So how do you get over this? How How are you able to get past this? And actually get your confidence back, get your swagger back. And this, a lot of the times it comes from the healthcare practitioner, people like me that are teaching you, Hey, like pain isn't directly correlated with damage. There's two different things. Pain is just a sensation that goes to your brain. There's a whole, there's a whole study of pain science 
that's dedicated to that alone. But a lot of the times it's called gradual graded exposure, gradual exposure. So we're just trying to show you, Hey, like, let's just throw a full rep punch. Let's just, let's just see. We'll get the full range of motion. It doesn't have to be, it could be 50% speed, but full range of motion. Oh, that doesn't hurt. Cool. Let's try the next day. Let's try 60%. And then we just keep building from there. It doesn't need to be a zero to 100 approach that a lot of athletes want to do. You either, you're either that athlete that wants to, oh, I, I just fucked up my rotator cuff. I want to jump right back in. Or you're the athlete that takes a little bit of time moving forward. Neither one is great, right? One, they're both going to have their limitations. But for the athletes that lack that confidence to get back into full training, what we can do is we can just show you that these painful movements aren't painful anymore. And the tissue damage that you had is gone. It's been two months. <laughs> Your tissue's healed. <laughs> so let's slowly get our way back and get the confidence back. So that's something I see a whole bunch is that a lot of athletes, they, they get stuck on I'm damaged goods and they don't have the confidence in what they have just because they hurt yeah. something. Rotator cuff is just as an example. A lot of times it's low back. Oh man, that really fucking hurts to bend forward. They're afraid of bending forward. So they don't want to play. They, they never want to go into a wrestling stance ever again. And that's something I've seen with, with very high level fighters. And you just need to show the athlete or show yourself that it doesn't need to be zero to a hundred, but these steps are going to get me to a hundred percent. And you got to be okay with that and not yeah. just fear it forever. Yeah. And I, I've seen it countless times with ACLs too. It's like having yeah. that confidence back in that stability is, is huge, but branching off that in a injury rehabilitation sense, but also in a performance sense, I think imagery is a huge tool that, that a lot of athletes, I mean, has caught on in the combat sports world, but I think that can be a, a great tool to instill confidence. It's like you have the image in your head and you, you, you walk yourself through that experience, you know, whether you're in a rehabilitation setting, whether you're walking yourself literally from an ACL rupture to taking steps or to doing a plyometric movement, throwing a kick, jumping, like take those small steps in the injury setting or in, in, in a imagery um, experience can help you build the confidence to them in the physical world. Just like imagine yourself winning the, the world championship or imagine yourself winning the state championship. Like how many times ha have you, you seen that in your head and made that your, your go-to image, your exercise. Um, I mm -hmm. think that helps to build confidence and seeing yourself in that helps to um, bring it into real life, you know, and we get into some of that like attractor state or like the secret type of stuff. But I think the, the real like quote unquote magic behind that is that it's more present in your mind. Therefore you're more likely to choose the outcome that, that will lead you to that. I don't think it comes to you. I think you go to it by frequency in your head. Um, so I think that the imagery exercise is again, is a common confidence practice, but I think can be extrapolated and used in a lot of different settings to, to build some of the confidence. Well, yeah, it's, it's just being with, with confidence in general, it's being prepared. That brings yeah. it back full circle, which I love. It's the imagery is just being prepared for the given moment. Like that's the one thing that I, like I said it before, I was lucky enough to see Henry Cejudo when he was fighting, he would literally walk into every, every Saturday cage round captain would be calling his name. Like he was the announcer. He would be, we would have somebody in there as the ref. The person across from him would be walking like his opponent he's about to fight. So for the Cruz fight, he was walking like Dominic Cruz. And he would just do that entire, his walkout song would play and everything. He'd be in the bathroom in the back and he'd walk out like he was coming out. The yeah. imagery 
is a thousand percent what makes him comfortable being in that given moment on that big of a stage. And that's what gives him the confidence to walk in there like the bad motherfucker that he is and to go out there and put on the performances that he did because he's already done it in his head probably 10,000 times. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. I think back of like when I was in high school, it's like state champion, right? That's a common goal. Or like that was my imagery thing. Um, and I think this goes into a little bit of goal setting too, is like that imagery, if it's present in your mind all the time, then that's like a, a pre-written goal, right? You know, just because you write a goal down doesn't make it your actual goal. Something that lives inside your head is a goal before you write it down. Like, and if mm-hmm. it's powerful enough, then you're going to gravitate towards it. And then you might write it down as an after action, but the goal is already present in your head. So I think that that is hugely powerful when you know you're on a mission, when you're accomplishing the work for that mission, and then ultimately you're going to be successful at that mission. Like, I think a lot of underconfidence comes from, like we said, in the settings before and that, that limit growth, but also a lack of preparation and a, a reality check. Um, that may lead to like avoidance behaviors and poor coaching and only negative feedback based coaching that make you fearful to lose instead of being excited to win. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's what I got. It's a lot of confidence. Confidence. It's a lot on confidence, homie. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I think this is another conversation that I've had about confidence um, and that actually is highlighted in like the George St. Pierre, uh, Joe Rogan episode was like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of really successful people um, are in one of two camps with their confidence, right? Mm -hmm. So one, and I think this probably is the majority of people, whether they uh, admit it or not, is that they really dislike what they see in the mirror, you know? And that was kind of George St. Pierre's thing is like, I'm not satisfied. I need to get better and I need to continually get better. I need to be on top of the world, but then I'm still not enough. What else can I grow at? How can I be better? Um, And I think there's another camp of people that are, I am the best in the world. Now I need to go prove it, you know? Right. And and I know that's, that's an Austin uh, to a T, but it's like, I do have the confidence and now I'm just going to go sh- strut my stuff and show it off. And uh, so there's, I think a lot of those extremes lead to the extreme um, either fall or the extreme failure of a lot of people. So figuring out who you are again through introspection and self-awareness and then working on it from there can help lead you to success. Like I think personally, I'm going through it a little bit where I'm realizing I'm that, that underconfident guy that needs to continually work to get more confidence mm-hmm. to needs to genuinely believe in myself because I have trouble with that sometimes. Yeah, no. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't really know because you're a pretty, pretty cool dude, but (laughs) no, but like, and honestly, like Austin, I think that's, that's one thing that you've always had that like, you know, when we were freshmen on our UW lacrosse wrestling team, like, like we were all scared, like, man, there's cuts. Like I'm probably not going to be a starter in my weight class. Am I going to get cut? And Austin's like, nah, man, I'm going to start as freshman. It's cool. And, and you what did, did I do? And you did. So it's like, <laughs> it's like that, that, that's an enviable type of trait. And I hit a trick or treat in the wrestle off <laughs> I know, over right? time. Jackass. I know it was dirty. Sorry, Cody. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, but no, I, and I'm, I'm fine admitting that I'm the other one. I'm, but it, that doesn't come without its own faults. Like Alex yeah. said, both of them have their own faults. Both of them can lead to either epic highs or epic lows. And some of the stuff that's hit me is like, like, I, I truly believe I'm the best in the world at what I do. I'm the best performance care specialist in all of MMA. I truly believe that. And I yeah. just got to show people. 
but it's, it doesn't come without me when I feel like that. And when I say that it's, I got to put in a shit load of work in order to not to show people what I already know about myself to show yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I, it's one of those things, but that's one of those things. Like I know it, like, I, I don't yeah. think I need it. That, that's something that I feel like people that if you, you don't have that thought, like I do, like, I don't need to show myself anything personally. Yeah. I it's, and maybe that's too, maybe that's cocky, com, like couldn't conceded, whatever. Like I, I don't need to prove it to myself. Yeah. I'm doing it to prove it to every other fucking person on this earth that yeah. I'm the best at this. And, but that also sets me up for a very, very large failure. Because I have one goal in my mind and the one goal is to be the best and to show that I'm the best. And if I don't do that, like, like I have days where I'm like, like fucking to yesterday, one of my guys, one of my guys lost and it sucked. Yeah. I had three, I, I was three and one this week. And that one hurts a lot more than those three felt good. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things where I was sitting there and it stuck with me from, we'll say what he fought around nine thirty until nine o'clock at night i didn't feel like even today i still don't feel right because i feel like i let him down and i didn't i wasn't able to help him as best as i could and i wasn't able to show that god damn i'm the best at what i do and that also helps these guys that i care so much about be the best at what they do right so it's it's got really high highs like when the night before that one of my guys he took out the number three guy in bellator in his debut on six days notice that was the highest of highs yeah. And then the next day it was one of the lowest of lows because a guy that he does all the work, he does everything I ask him to do. We lost and it sucks. Yeah. So it's, it's a great, it's great when it's good. It's shitty when it's bad, but I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's just something you got to know if you are that confidence stereotype that it's, it's going to have its ups and downs, its peaks and valleys. You just got to be able to ride the wave. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it manifests itself in motivation and, and inspiration, you know, like, like because you've had that low, it's not going to stop you. It's going to make you work that much harder to, to prove it next time, you know? And that's no, for but, sure. Yeah. yeah it, that's something that you got to realize, like the game's never going to be over. It's like, you're never going to get through your, your professional career. I mean, one guy did, but you're never going to get through <laughs> <laughs> untouched, right? Like, like you yeah. never, Austin's never going to train, so many fighters, I'm never going to train this many fighters and they're all going to be undefeated. Like that's yep. unrealistic, but it's a goal, man. Like that's what you want. Well, and, and with, with how I feel about, like I, with how I feel about myself and how I feel about like what I do and my guys I work with, like for me, I, for myself personally, I expect perfection Yeah, and it, it sucks. It sucks when it doesn't happen, but that's just something that goes, it's something that happens is you're never going to be perfect and you got to be able to cope with that. You got to be able to deal with that. But I, with me knowing that I'm the best in the world at what I do, I expect perfection. Yeah. So let's let's take this up a notch and let's, let's do some meta. I had a good thought here. So since we as practitioners want the best for our guys, right? We're going to do our damnedest to get them prepared and to try and get every fighter to win every fight that we, we train them for, right? I yep. think a lot of people have that sentiment. I don't think there there's very many uh, coaches or healthcare professionals that, that are blase about it or don't care. I think a lot of people mean to do well, but I think a lot of those professionals are underconfident in their preparation. So they make up for it with just hard work and just yeah. beating the shit out of guys and just tiring the shit out of them, which has this place if you've created a plan. But I think a lot of the, the, the thought is 
man, if they don't walk out of here dog tired, I didn't work hard enough. They might lose because they get tired. So I got to smash them into the ground with this conditioning circuit every day, you know, whether that's a jujitsu practice, whether that's in the weight room, whether that's whatever it is, I think that's an underconfidence and that's a, 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 um, a makeup attack, or that's a, a cover up by coaches to say, I truly worked them the hardest. I truly did the best for them because they can't walk out of practice, which in, in all honesty is not like be educated, have a plan, um, know where your athletes are at and what they need at that point. Not every time I guarantee you, not every time do they need to be crawling out of the room. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's just, I mean, maybe so box, but like that's, I think what it is, is coaches are not confident in their plan or not confident in the execution of that plan. So we're going to cover up with hardest shit work and survive and be the best. For sure. It takes, it takes a lot of confidence to want to work with pro athletes, want to be a part of their journey, want to do these different things. It takes a lot more confidence to be okay telling an athlete when they tell you they think they need extra work and saying, that's not how we do things. Here. Cause I've ran into that a lot. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's, it's my way. It might not be right, but I think it is. It's one of those things where like working smarter is always going to be better than working harder. And I, I keep, I've said it like, like 10 times in the last two weeks where somebody's like, Oh, I, I can do that. I can definitely do that. And I regress them and what they were doing. And I'm like, I know you can fucking do that. I'm not questioning that you can do it. I'm saying, should we do that right now? Is it the most optimal thing? Yeah. And that, I mean, it's the I'll shit you not. The first few times I said that to athletes, I was scared as fuck. I was scared out of my mind of yep. them not not coming back, them not wanting to be a part of the system, them like them not believing in me anymore by because I I was changing the plan on them or I wasn't making them tired enough. Yeah. But it it's something that you got to be confident that you're doing your what's in the best interest of your athlete. And if you truly think that what you're doing is in the best interest of your athlete and you know that they don't need to be dog shit tired every time they leave your place, as long as they're getting better, that takes a lot more confidence than just saying, hey, <laughs> we're going to run suicides till you puke. Let's kill them. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, maybe maybe we're we're, you know bias confirming because you know i'm i've been criticized as that guy too that doesn't work athletes hard enough but i think that's a in in my mind i see that as a culture shift to from strength initiating coach to high performance coach um which you know is maybe my own connotation but it's a it's a, a a maturity and i think an understanding of the game too like you know we have all of the science that gives you approximate workloads, that gives you heart rate zones, that gives you, you know, tracking um, and objective tracking, subjective tracking, uh, you know, periodized plans, like reading your athletes. Like, why would we not take advantage of it for my ego boost? You know, let's, let's disregard all the subjective stuff. I don't know if I've worked you hard enough, so go harder. Like uh, that to me yeah. is, is a, a scared thought. It's a, it's a underconfident thought. So, um, but like you said, it's tremendously hard as a coach and, you know, um, to be confident in answer a guy says like, well, I don't think that workout was hard enough. Well, you know, it was the best thing for you. Like, well, nobody asked a, you. Yeah. That's a hard question. That's a hard, uh, <laughs> that's a hard bridge to gap. And I think sometimes it's worth gap, like gap bridging that gap too. Like one of the biggest, as well as well, we're talking about confidence, one of the biggest training effects or successes of your training program is 
the athlete's confidence in the training program. Right? Mm-hmm. If, a, if an athlete's doing your program and they don't believe in it, you know, then I think you're, you're missing a lot of performance benefits from that. So that's where we get back to relational. That's where we just come for full circle with all, all of the coaching approaches <laughs> is creating the trust and the, the approach to, to genuinely tell an athlete that's enough chill for the rest of the day. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the meta stuff. I, I like it a lot where you, you got to be okay. You got to be okay telling an athlete that you're putting the, the, the governor on, the restrictors on. But you also got to be okay. Like if they're not feeling, if they're not feeling like they want to push, but they got the green light on their watch and they got the, they got all these different things, all these indicators, objective indicators saying, yes, you got to be like, Hey, we got to push pretty hard today. I need you to get your shit together. Like, let's go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Uh, and I think, again, the common critique is like, uh, well, you're just being soft on the guys. Like, that's not like, that's not it. And if you all always are pulling back on the reins, that's just as bad as the guy that's always pushing too hard. Like, mm-hmm. so figure, I mean, figure out the, the quote unquote, the art of coaching or the, the science of deload or, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Figure out how to be a coach. Yeah, for sure. And be confident in your approach. It's a confidence oh. podcast. <laughs> Oof, that's the way we're going to end it. It's a confidence podcast. There you go. <laughs> all right. All right. So if y'all got to get in contact with us, all of our information is in the show notes. So both our emails are building a fighter, our website, as well as our Instagram handles, probably hit up us on, hit us up on Instagram. That'll probably be the easiest way to talk. Please like share, subscribe, do all the cool things that let us talk to your friends. Cause we want to become friends with them. We want to talk to them every week as we talk to you. Um, And then this is Building a Fighter, Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out. Out.